0: Actually, that's one of the things about this time of year that everybody fixates on. Everybody fixates on resolutions. Just to give you kind of an umbrella heads up of where we're going with this, we're going to be talking about unlocking the adventure of following Jesus. And that has a lot to do with things that are different in 2016 than were a reality in 2015. But this is the time of year where people either gravitate towards making resolutions or they just run away from them.
1: When I get to the end of the year, I usually look back and I think about all the accomplishments I've done, things that I had planned for, and then I think about all the things I didn't accomplish, and usually those unaccomplishments sometimes outweigh the accomplishments. And so I overcorrect when I go into the next year, start making my list, and right around like March or April, that begins to fizzle out.
0: Or third week of January. Whatever. The thing is, is that resolutions are something that we, we, sometimes we either make with the hopes this year's going to be different. How many of you have already, you're already in your mind, you're anticipating New Year's and you've already got a resolution or two in your head? Okay. A couple. All right. All right. How many of you cannot remember the last time you made a resolution? Yeah. Now, why don't we make, for those of you who just raised your hand, why is it that, that it's, you don't really do the resolution thing? Why? Because your memory 's this long what what I am what i am, am, am. it 's just, just the way i am come on there 's no change in perfect right so or sometimes sometimes the truth is is that sometimes the truth is is that we, we avoid doing it because we 're kind of cynical about it we 've done the resolution thing, and we know that it, it just peters out there 's no hope for it so today what we 're going to talk about actually is what if we entered into 2016. if you're someone that does gravitate towards the resolution thing, what if you did so differently? Or if you're a person who's repelled by making resolutions because you've seen their failure, what if you actually had a different perspective on the whole concept? And instead of making resolutions of I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make myself better, what if we allowed the gospel to speak into this reality? See, the gospel is what saved us. It's the good news of what Jesus did, that we can't earn our salvation, that he earned our salvation for us. But the gospel doesn't stop when we're saved. It continues to speak into our life, and it continues to radically transform who we are at our core. And that's something that we could actually enter into this year differently. We could actually enter this year differently, thinking of it more as a calling. Isaiah, the prophet, um, in Isaiah 6, 8 had this interaction with God. Um, and in 6.8, it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? This is God speaking. God the Father, the Trinity, communicating with the prophet Isaiah. And, and, and this is what he responds with. And I said, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah has this interaction with God, and it wasn't just like, Okay, I'm so glad I prayed that prayer. It's actually this interaction with God that's saying, "The rest from this point on the timeline forward, I'm going forward knowing that I'm following him. He, I'm, I'm actually stepping into a calling. And that's not just for, for prophets. That's for any follower of Jesus. What if we entered into 2016 and in the adventure of following Jesus as a calling?
1: And this is an adventure. We uh, decided for all the services, we are having the kids in here with us. And uh, Ooh, for this God. service, it's uh, <laughs> a little sparse of young children, except for maybe a few, <laughs> few babies out there. Uh, But we had the kids last night join us as we went on our adventure, and they followed us around in different parts of the room as we went to different stations. We went to to four different stations. Four different things that maybe this year could unlock the adventure of following Jesus. Today, though, you're all the kids.
0: Yes. Now, instead, now relax because some of you may be thinking, "Great, I just got comfortable in this." row ahead of the row I normally sit in. Now i got to move again? No. You guys can actually, for 8 a.m. service, you you guys are going to have the box seat experience where you can just sit where you're at. And we're going to, instead of guiding a group of children around this room to four different stations, Nick and I are just going to march around this stage during the transition points. And you have to just go back to that childlike Christmas magic imagination of pretending as if you're going from station one to two. Can you do that with me? Because otherwise, you've got to move with us just to make it legit. <laughs> but we'll go with the imagination round, and we'll do that. So, without any further ado...
1: Yes, let's put on our fedoras and head to station number one. All right. Q, Q, there, there it is. There it is, okay. Oh. Ah. Ah. We're here. I've never. A, I've that I've never been here. time before. at all. Take it away, Nick. All right. So the first stop in station number one is the not-so-bucket bucket list. And when you think about going into a new year and you think about things you want to do, you usually create a list. And a bucket list is the list that you create before you kick the bucket or die.
0: <laughs> Interpreting for those who may. Last night we told the kids, and I don't even know what they mean. if they don't
1: Yeah, that's the okay. Bucket. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of okay with that. Okay. <clears throat> so, this is the not-so-bucket bucket list. And it is a bucket. And if you're anything like me, you create your not-so-bucket bucket list of things you want to do in the here and now. Because, yes, there's a time between now and that time where I'm going to go be with Jesus. But there are plenty of things that I want to do, things I want to accomplish. And I like to make those things usually about me. Because I can be very selfish at times. And I like to internalize things, and there are things that I need to do for myself or for the people I care about more often, and I think outside of that. But if we think about the here and now, we think about the time we've been given, and we choose to start unlocking the adventure of what Christ is doing in us to follow after him, then there's something we need to understand about the time we have. There's a guy who really got this concept, and his name was Paul. Now, Paul... At the beginning of his life, he, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. In fact, he hated anyone who associated with Jesus, knew Jesus, talked about Jesus, until he met him one day. Jesus flipped just his whole life upside down. And when he did that, he had a new purpose and a new plan for what he was going to do to not live just thinking about all the things he could do for himself, but rather how he can give God the most glory. And one day, while well, he's writing to this church in Philippi, he's in chains and he talks about the time that he has. And he writes in Philippians 1, 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He knew, Paul knew that there would be a time when his life would end, that the time that he had was short. But until that moment where he went to be with Jesus, every day, every breath of his life was valuable. And it wasn't just valuable for himself, but it was valuable to live for the purpose of giving God the most glory. And later on in verse 27, he says, whatever happens concerning himself, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This idea of creating a list or thinking about resolutions then leads us to take advantage of the time you've been given now to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. How we live now, how we choose uh, what we choose to do with the time we have now is so important. So if we create lists, if we create things and, and resolutions and ideas of what we want to do with our time, as we look to 2016, if you're anything like me, you think of three things. The first one being personal goals. Now, when I create my resolutions, uh, the top of my list every year for about the last <laughs> years is uh, <clears throat> maybe losing a few pounds. I usually want to lose 10, 30, Mm, pounds um, <clears throat> Until I feel good about myself And I also have A pair of cookie pants And uh, these are my cookie pants They have a super stretchy elastic waistband
0: Why are they called cookie pants?
1: Well because uh, I like cookies okay. And um, like a good friend A really close friend They grow with me Okay, so And that's me And they're a constant reminder that I can be comfortable Whenever I want but at the same time, it also reminds me that I've failed my goals a lot of times. We make personal goals at the beginning of the year, and usually, like I said, it fizzles out because our mindset can be really, really wrapped up in the wrong thing. Now, it's, it is important to be healthy. It's important to try and take care of ourselves to the best of our ability, each and every one of us being different. But if we don't look at it from a standpoint of, hey, this is for me, what I'm going to do, and we look at it from what God has given us, first and foremost... How he's blessed us with life and how important that is, then I can take care of myself to the best of my ability knowing that God has a purpose for me and every day, the longer I'm here, the the better chance I have of serving that purpose for a greater time and a greater glory to God. So thinking about personal goals, how can I take advantage of the time I've been given now to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? The second thing would be dreams, the dreams that I have, dreams that I want to see fulfilled, Last night we asked the kids some of the dream jobs they would hope to have when they grew up. Some of them wanted to be sports stars, some of them wanted to be doctors and different things like that.
0: We should ask these guys what jobs they wanted to be when they were kids. When
1: you were, oh, that's a good, that's good. When you guys were kids, what was your dream job or dream hope of what you could be when you grew up?
0: Whether you realized it or not. Show of hands, anyone? What was your dream job? Yeah. A lawyer?
1: Oh, a writer. writer. That's even better. Awesome. Awesome.
0: I'm related to a lawyer, so yeah.
1: An architect. Architect. Okay. Cool. Anybody else? When I was a kid? Uh, uh, Carla. A nurse. A nurse.
0: (laughs) That was a lofty goal for a little kid. I want to be a nun.
1: I hear they have great habits. They do. It could become a habit. Yeah. Good to see you. Uh, so, when I was a kid, I, I uh, always thought it'd be really cool to be a superhero. And then I realized that's not actually a, a job that I could have unless I do a bunch of other things first. Like, you know, get sprayed with radioactive liquid or something like that. And then I heard that was deadly. So that's not what happened. And then I wanted to be a football player. And then God said, no, you're not good at that. You should go talk to people about me. So he changed kind of my idea (laughs) of what I wanted to be. But when we think about dreams and what God has instilled us for, the things that we want to fulfill, when we first think about it for ourselves and our own bucket list, they can often be unfulfilling. But when we look at what God has created us for, even if we're in jobs we didn't want to be when we were kids or jobs that we have now that maybe we can't stand... When God has created us with purpose, even in the mundane, even in those things that we never thought we'd be at, we can still give God glory in the way that we live, in a manner that is worthy of the gospel.
0: Yeah, because truth be told, like, if you ended up with your dream job, and whether you ended up with your dream job or not, you might be the type of person that gets there and all of a sudden you realize being a nurse is awesome, but this isn't the fulfillment of my life. Uh, being the, the firefighter or the, the carpenter or whatever. This, this is great, but this isn't what my life is built and based around. If your dream is just to accomplish this for yourself, man, it's got, a, it's got a, a ceiling as far as the joy that it brings to you. But if that dream was rooted even deeper than that, and deeper in trying to make your dreams associated with glorifying God, then that speaks into whatever job you end up in, whether it's a carpenter, nurse, or whatever. That's right.
1: So whether it be in our personal goals, our dreams, or even in the last thing we think of usually with the new year is taking risks. For some of us, we think about risks and sometimes we think about maybe jumping out of a plane or doing something we've never done before, traveling the world. And those are all great things when we want to try and tackle things off the list. But what if we viewed risks differently? What if we, instead of viewing them as maybe experiences leading from one experience to the next experience to the next, just to fulfill some need, we look at it as God experiences and how God can satisfy us and how we take risks for him. Stepping out in faith, how we live. When I was a kid, the last thing I wanted to do, even though I went to church and I knew Jesus, was talk to my friends about him because I felt weird. I felt odd. I felt out of place. But what if risks that we took even now as adults in our jobs, and our workplaces, in our friends and families was to tell people about him? What if we took that step of faith for God, for his kingdom, to give him glory. What if, what if the risk is maybe as simple as to listen to the Lord's command of baptism, to be baptized? Maybe some of you haven't done that yet in your life. Maybe you've been afraid to of what that might mean. Maybe you have family who, who, who looks at you and they don't know if you're a Christian or not, but you know and you're not sure if you, you're ready to tell them. These are some things that we can do to, to take risks for God making God experiences over life experiences to fulfill the fact that we want to give God glory with every day of our life. In fact, if you haven't been baptized and you're interested, we have a baptism class coming up and a service coming up January 23rd and 24th. And Easter. And Easter. And Easter. That's right. So, with that, take advantage of the time you've been given now to live in a manner worthy of the gospel.
0: I'd say even on that one, um, in your notes, there's a link if you haven't been baptized yet and you would like to participate in one of those services, go ahead and feel free to during the service or after the service to sign up um, for that. There was a a person last night whose 2015 was a year that she cannot wait to get out of um, but one of the things that was just really surfacing to the top was, was exactly what Pastor Nick was talking about there. This next year, I want to take some deeper steps with the Lord. And one of the first ones she wanted to take, being a believer, was, was stepping into baptism. And so she signed up for um, that weekend of the, of, in January. Now we're going to go from station one to station two. And so we need to go ahead and do that actual transition. Are you ready to transition? Are you ready for station two? Yes. To station two. And here we are. Okay, so, now what in station two we're going to be doing is we're looking at life shaping. One of the things people always do in trying to come up with resolutions is figuring out life shaping. This is going to shape my life. I'm, I want to get a personal trainer. I want, to start hanging, I want to start reading different books or listening to different people who can actually help me become a better person. Becoming a better, nothing wrong with trying to be a better person, but again, that is... Got resolutions speak all over it. If you get there, you can pat yourself on the back and you have pride. If you don't get there, you have guilt and shame. That's not gospel. Gospel says that God has unlocked something for you in Jesus that actually shapes your life. Now, it would be a total frustration if God called us to come up with this stuff on our own. But he didn't. He actually gave us his word. And so, life shaping is getting to know how awesome God is and how awesome his plan is for us by getting into the Bible. Now, as a church, a Manuka Bible Church, this is something that we really, really, really stress because we do not believe a person can grow close with God without having an encounter with Scripture. And I would say that you grow far more closer to God if you're engaging in Scripture on your own during the week than just simply coming and listening. <coughs> listening is great, that's awesome. But there's something far greater, and that's actually getting into the Bible. Now, what, what are some reasons why we avoid getting into the Bible? If we were completely honest here, which we, which we should be. What, what are some reasons we avoid getting into the Bible? What's that? Lack of time. I don't have time. What else? Laziness. Being convicted. I don't want to... There's, there's some convicting stuff in here. I like how things are.
1: It's overwhelming.
0: It's, over, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica. Distraction. Distraction. That is the story of my life. So the truth is that we got, I mean, some, sometimes it's like it's too, it seems too big, and I don't know where to start, and there's confusing parts, and I, I, it's a different culture. I, I don't get it. It's hard. The truth is, is that we actually live in a time where we have more access to the Bible than any other generation. You have more access to Scripture than any other generation, and not only Scripture, but more access to, to resources to help you understand Scripture than any other generation, uh, when I was a high school pastor and, and Jeff was on the 360 staff We had this thing called Bible Man Where kids could just write down their questions about the Bible that they had And send it in to, to Jeff and Dale Lukinich And they were able to answer questions on a weekly basis As, as a church, we want to be the type of place that, that encourages questions and, and doesn't just say, oh, you know, you should know this already But actually say, no, I don't really know a whole lot about the Bible But I want to know more Now one of the things that we, we as a church, we do not harp on products we don 't do product placement we don 't do um, things where we try to sell you on stuff as far as like, "Oh, go buy this." But if we find a resource that 's good, we want to tell you about it and if we find a resource that 's good and free we 've got to tell you about it and one of the resources that is out there for adults that I want to encourage you if you have not if you have a phone. If you have a phone, I want to encourage you to get this and download this and download it today. It's called YouVersion, and that helps you track and, and find Bible reading plans and everything else. In fact, I've, I haven't shown you guys like a, any type of a commercial for it because I didn't know a commercial existed until yesterday afternoon. So, here's a 30 second commercial on this. If you have not yet downloaded this onto your phone, please do it now, but take a look. Here is what I'm talking about. This is the Bible. It's more than something you read, although you can do that too. But now it can also read to you, show you timeless stories in a whole new way, or even help you share what you've learned with someone you know. Read, listen, watch, share. Now you can do all of that and more, because now the Bible is an app. Download it for free at bible.com slash app. So what I like about this is I like the fact that you can go anywhere, if you're at work, if you're on vacation, as long as you're bringing your phone with you, you've got something that's there. And and my mind actually reminds me, hey, don't forget tonight before you go to bed to read that passage. And so I'm like, oh, thank you, because I am, as Jessica pointed out, very distracted. And so that helps me, helps me actually remember that. Uh, And again, it's got tons of devotionals, not just reading plans, but devotionals that are free. And so I would encourage you to, if you have yet to do that, to jump in on that. Um, if you do not, if you if you're like, look, that's fantastic, but I'm just not into the electronic stuff. I prefer to have a physical Bible. Awesome. You know, you can actually just use this to like as a reading plan, and then read it out of your physical Bible, or do what some people have done, which is listen to the person reading it to you as you're reading your physical Bible, which actually engages two senses as you're engaging Scripture. We also have, for those of you if you do not own a Bible, um, we just got some of these printed up, and these are like just NBC Bibles, just an NIV Bible, and they're out there. And if you don't own a Bible, or you know someone who doesn't own a Bible, and you'd like to give them one, just take it; they're free. Just snag one and give it away to someone who doesn't have a Bible. If you're looking. For a reading plan, and you're um, just kind of looking for a place to start reading on that table with Bibles, we also have a reading plan for you to get started, just understanding who God is through the Scriptures. Now, if you, how many of you have kids in here or grandkids? Kids or grandkids? Okay, awesome. One of the things that that this company came up with, that again, I love it because it's good, and I love it because it's good and free, is they came up with a version for kids. Now, kids are all about like borrowing your parent, their parents' phones, And in fact, when, when I first got a phone, I was like, I'm not going to let my kids touch this, breathe on it. I, I, don't, I don't want it to be broken. And now they've got it all the time. And so the thing about it is that, that the kids are into trying to look at your phone for it to be engaged or watch a video or whatever. But the cool thing is these guys came up with a way to help kids engage scripture that way. And this is kind of a picture of that. So take a look at this. If your kids could walk through the garden with Adam and Eve or journey to Bethlehem the night Jesus was born, meet the Bible app for kids. Through an animated adventure, your kids will explore the big stories of the Bible, earn rewards for special challenges, open the Bible again and again, and begin a lifetime love of God's word. The Bible app for kids. Download it now for free at Bible.com kids. And it said it's for free. I love that. So, so here's the thing. I didn't have this on my phone till yesterday. Uh, when I was doing, when I was getting ready for the service, I came across that ad. I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of cool. And so like, I downloaded it. Last night, as, as Rylan and Cohen were going to bed, we went through the first part of, of the Genesis story where it goes through each day of creation. And, and every time it has scripture, you, the kids can pl- press on the screen and it, and it animates what just took place, what the scripture just talked about. And the animals throw coconuts at each other. It's cool. And and, all, and it asks you questions as you're going through, like just to help make sure, are you understanding this? And the kids, as they're answering questions, are getting points on the screen. It just why didn't they have this when I was a kid? But that's, the neat thing is, is that that's there. Now, some people may look at that and even the Bible app and say, well, that's just too technological. I just find that to be your dumbing down scripture. Yeah, but that's what they said when they printed the Bible in, in actual, like, pr- where, to make it accessible for people too. Folks thought that that was too accessible. That was too technological. But the more accessible scripture has become, the more we have an opportunity to actually engage it on a first-person basis. As a church, we want to be living out the reality of what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16. Understanding that all scripture is useful. All scripture is useful for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness. So the question is, are you using it? It's useful, but are you using it? Let us be the type of people that are stepping in and engaging that and letting that shape our life.
1: All right, on to station number three. Station number three. Here we go. Wow, it's even awkward. This with is loud music. really
0: hard without the music. Well, and look, we're here. We're here. Woo.
1: So, if we believe that the things that we do with the time that we have are important to living out a life in a manner worthy of the gospel, and that we have a life shaping opportunity to be more like Jesus by getting into the Word to be like Him, then that's going to change how we live and how we give with a mindset that multiplies blessing. How we live with generosity in mind. Now, last night we told the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wee little guy, and of course, he wanted to hear and see from Jesus who he was, and he had a lot of stuff. In fact, he took things from people. And so we told the kids, like, this guy, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily a good guy to begin with, but he hears about Jesus and what he's doing, and it changes his heart. In response to what Jesus is doing, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus is to give, and to not just give, but to give back to the people he even took from, and to even multiply that even more. And so we did a little experiment, and we need a couple of people to help us out. We're not going to get all these little kids up here at the 80 o'clock service, but let's see, uh, could we get maybe three or four people who feel like moving around the room?
0: Oh, I see that hand, Jeff. Good
1: job. All right. Jeff. All right. Cool, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, let's see, how about, all right, yeah, yeah, okay, come on up here um, Let's see, let's get two more I'll, Justin. I'll just, Justin, 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 all right, Justin, come on, Justin And uh, all right, Cliff, all right Very cool, so We're going to give him two Sounds good all Okay, right. so kids, kids love candy And we have, uh, we have some Smarties The Smarties are great because there's, there's 10, 10 or so little pieces of candy in there And so here's what you guys are going to have to do to kind of show generosity. Right after the story of Zacchaeus in the book of Luke, Jesus tells a parable about uh, the minas or the talents and how a um, master gave his servants these minas and he said, you need to take care of them and if you, you don't, I'm going to come back, I'm going to be upset about it. And some of the servants, they went ahead and they multiplied what they've been given and then they were given more responsibility. Some of them held on to it because they were afraid, they were greedy and nothing happened to it and the master was disappointed. So in this experiment... You're going to have a chance to go and give what you've been given. Your goal in the next 30 seconds, we're going to put a timer up, is to get rid of all of your candy. And get back back here. here. Not just the package, but to open it and give away the pieces of candy. Different people. You have 30 seconds to get rid of as much of it as you can. Do you think these guys can do it? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, you got to cheer them on though. I know you guys don't usually get loud at this service, but I need you to cheer them on, okay? (laughs) All right. We have 30 seconds. Are you ready? On your mark, get set, go! Woo.
0: All right, come on, guys. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Give <laughs> that, that candy away. I was in the right Give place. Give it away.
0: away. 18 seconds,
1: guys. 15 seconds. You better go right faster than that. Feliz Navidad. And if you guys could come back up here We're going to see the results
0: Justin just dumped the rest of his in Brent's hand yeah. oh!
1: That's the gift that keeps on giving Brent Alright, let's see So how many of you were able to get rid of all your candy? All your candy? All your candy? <laughs> Did you dump them both out in his hands? Okay Got a few left All right, That's pretty good guys Pretty good. Give these guys a round of applause yeah, good job. Thank you very much Our gift to you is you can keep what you didn't (laughs) give away. I know you probably need it this morning. Uh, But the idea behind this example is that the kids who really love candy have an opportunity to give it away instead of just holding on to it. And so as a special treat, we gave them a piece of candy after service to help them out, which you guys are more than welcome to after service. You can come see me and I'll give you a piece of candy. (laughs) But give it up for them one more time. You guys can go take a seat. All right. Now, Paul talks about... This idea of generosity in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, he says this. The point is this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. If we really believe that God is going to change us and that we're going to make our life matter for him and his glory... Then the way that we live and give, we need to live and give with a mindset that multiplies blessing. It's not just about what we have, but what we can give. And when we think about that on our scale, it's not just giving to NBC or giving to a church or giving to a ministry, because it's not just about making one place better, but it's about impacting the world for God's kingdom. And when you give here, it goes to Morris, it goes to Indonesia, it goes to Africa, it goes all across the world to help people in need, to see God's kingdom advance, And when we give, and we give with a cheerful heart, God honors that. God honors that. We need to live and give with a mindset that multiplies blessing. Awesome. And
0: actually, many of you this past, coming up on two years, have seen that fleshed out in your everyday life. Just when some of you took the first steps of uh, when, when we started the Ignite initiative, that was the first time that you gave at all to church. And it's been so cool to watching people be blown away by the fact that I thought, I was sacrificing by doing this, and what I've been blown away with is the fact that God has given back to us as a family or back to me as an individual several times over, not just financially, although some people have stories of that, but the fact that God um, just grew their faith in ways that they, they would not have had if they weren't stepping into generosity. So consider that as one of the ways of stepping into 2016 as someone who's unlocking the adventure of following Jesus, which of course leads us to station number four. Okay, and we're here, good. Okay, now here's the thing. One of the things that we uh, realize in life is that as we go through life, one of uh, the the truths is that we we take a deeper look at the attitudes that we have. The station four is having an attitude which is basically letting the Spirit reverse the un-Jesus parts of our attitude. Now if you're anything like me, you have, even though you're saved, even though Jesus has redeemed you, you have un-Jesus parts of your attitude that are still like finding a little bit of a home. Like this. I only care about my happiness. Um, this is basically, and when I started looking at this, I realized, you know what? Sometimes this is what I got to believe. I mean, because you know what? Uh, the, the truth is, is that no one else is going to care about my happiness. If I'm not making sure that I'm happy, well then, Who is? And so sometimes this attitude starts to define me. Now, what I'm going to do is this. Each attitude that I I want to get to, I want us to have the typical response of why we justify this attitude, which is, relax, it's just the way I am. And so when I point to you, I need your help here. I want you to say, relax, it's just the way I am. Okay, so we're all going to say that. Relax, it's just the way I am. When I point to you, let's say it real loud. One, two, three. Relax, it's just the way I am. Just a little bit louder. Though. Make it convincing. Relax. It's... it's just the way I am. Okay. All right. Good. So that's true. You know, it's, uh, that's sometimes the truth of what happens. Um, and over life, we pick up more and more attitudes. You know what? I'm all about my happiness, but relax. It's just the way I am. Oh. Grumpiness. How many of you in here know somebody who's grumpy? How many of you are in the room with somebody that's grumpy right Okay, no. I, how many of you are the person that can tend to be a little bit grumpy? All right, now different things make us grumpy. Sometimes it's just reality of mourning, pre-coffee. Makes me grumpy. Um, sometimes it, gr- what makes us grumpy is the conditions, but whatever the case may be, it's something that just like, oh, this is something that we carry around. And, and oftentimes we, we, really, we get even grumpier when somebody points out the fact that we're grumpy. Because you know what? When they get in my face about being grumpy, you know what I want to tell them? Relax. Yeah, come on. You know what? If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be so grumpy. What do you got there? Gossip.
1: It's a big baggage.
0: Well, you know, I've been carrying it a long time. Truth is, is that gossip is something that is perfectly justifiable. I mean, because sometimes I get tired of hearing how messed up I am, because that makes me grumpy. But when I, when I hear about that, and I come across a story of somebody who's doing something wrong, in my workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood. All of a sudden, when I talk about that person, I say, you'll never believe what they were doing. You'll never believe what happened in that marriage. Hey, you'll never believe what this guy did. All of a sudden, it makes me feel a lot better. And for one second, that person I'm talking to isn't criticizing me. They're sharing in my criticism of someone else, which makes me feel pretty good. Now, when people say this is divisive or this splits people up or it's not very nice, I want to tell them, hey, relax. Exactly. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. What do you got? It's not my problem. It's not my problem. Okay, a lot of the time we go through and we just kind of have this... There's a lot of people who have a lot of issues in your world. Am I right? And sometimes... You have a Christian inclination to try to help them out. But that gets really tiring. Because you know what? People don't say thank you. They're not grateful. They barely show any type of appreciation. And so you know what I've learned? The best attitude to have is, you know what? It's not my problem. Guess what? Yeah, yeah, that's a situation. But I've poured into enough situations that's made me feel enough frustration that I've got a better idea. It's not my problem. And you know what? When people get on my case about that, you know what I tell them? Do you know what I'm telling them? Relax.
1: What do you got there? Yeah, get angry real quick. You better watch it. Now, listen. Actually, could you help me out with that? (laughs) Oh, now you want my help?
0: Sometimes it gets really, really hard to control my anger. When certain things happen, like for example, there are, when I go into my house, I, I am not a handy person. I cannot fix. A toothpaste jar, okay? I'm like, I'm somebody who, I'm not very handy at all. But, but, I did put in a light in my bathroom. Now this light took some like, it didn't just take your typical incandescent light. It took like light bulbs that cost like four bucks a piece. Four bucks. And so when I walk into my house after coming home from work, and I see those lights just on, and I look in the bathroom, and it's vacant. I start saying, Who did this? You guys know, I've told you so many times, you got to turn off the light. And all of a sudden, I become a 90-year-old man. Why are you leaving the lights on? You're trying to illuminate the whole town of Manuka? Come on! And all of a sudden, and my kids are like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And when I hear a C of it wasn't me, you know what it makes you do? It makes me go crazy. And it makes me start to have like a real big anger issue where all of a sudden I get explosive. And I don't want to be explosive, but they made me explosive. And when they start crying and they're like, oh, why are you yelling? I say, hey, relax. And it's perfectly justifiable. What do you got there, man? Okay, okay. Now look, I know hate is a bad word. We shouldn't hate people because we're Christians. But some people deserve to be hated. I mean, they've done some stuff in our li- life that requires this. Now, when I'm walking around and I'm dealing with that kind of frustration, it causes me to, and I want to say I forgive them, but I'm still, like, resenting and really, really upset about the fact that this happened. And so I hate it. I hate it. But I just don't hate it. I hate them. And I don't want this type of thing in my life anymore. And so, like, I just have an animosity and an angst for this family member. An animosity and hate for this person that's in my life. In fact, so much so that I don't want to just distance because, distance. Put distance between me and them because they're toxic. I want to put distance between me and them because I hate them. And I want to punish them. I hate them. I hate them. And you know, again, people like thinking, oh, you shouldn't be hateful. But you know what I tell them? Guess what? Relax. Boy, howdy. It is. What's this? I push people around who get in my way. Well, you know, I got them. Because, you know, I don't know how we're going to do this. Ah. People hurt you in life, and the truth is that when people hurt you, you start learning something. If people hurt you, you can either just be defensive and wait for someone to hurt you and then you can try to push them off, or you can push first. You could be the per- And as a kid, you grew up and you knew, hey, sometimes there's certain people you got to push. And when they're, when they're getting in your face and they're getting in your life, you got to be the type of person that's pushing them before they push you. And after a while, you realize, you know, it's kind of illegal to get in fights. And so what I'm going to do instead of getting in fights and brawling with people is I'm going to start to use my words or I'm going to start to use my influence or my power. I am going to push you verbally or push you with my reputation or push you with any kind of power that I've got first before you can push me. And we just end up being pushy, pushy people all the time. And when people say, you should be so pushy, you know what I tell them? Do you know what I tell them? Relax. And so I'm a hateful, gossipy, pushy, Grumpy, angry,
1: what else you got? You said you wanted to relax, you're out of control.
0: You know what, but it's perfectly okay. I'll tell you why it's perfectly okay. Because sometimes, sometimes there's certain things in life that make you out of control and it's okay. And especially when you know that you're in control. I am in control. Clearly, I can stop at any time. And sometimes there's certain things in this world, in this life, that make it just difficult. And if my anger's out of control, or my drinking's out of control, or my my whatever's out of control, you need to understand there's reasons for this. And I'm totally okay. There's no problem here. It's just the way I am. After a while, a lot of people start feeling like, man, I just feel guilty. Life is cumbersome. I know what the answer is, though. Church. Religion is the answer. See, there's hope in the church. So I'm going to go to church. You know what? There's no place for me here. These people don't understand me. There's no spot for me. These people, these church people, are just like any other kind of people. They're hypocrites. They don't accept me. They just keep looking at my issues. Watch out, bucko.
1: You're leaving your garbage everywhere, man clean up after you. Drop some baggage. Yeah, step off. Now listen,
0: <laughs> Christians do this. Sometimes they don't do it at church. A lot of times they wait till they get home. A lot of redeemed people have a lot of baggage from their attitude. And we, and we justify it because we're like, this is just as I am. This is, this is who I am. This is who I am. Relax. This is who I am. Don't you accept me for me? Don't you accept me with all of my issues? Not realizing that Jesus is the amazing person who does, in fact, accept us for all of our issues. But he loves us so much that he doesn't just keep us there. He loves us just as we are. And yet, we see in Scripture, Paul says in Galatians and talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You got that, Nick? It says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, what God does is he comes to me and my pushy nature. And instead, he takes this. This, this thing that's very natural to me. This is as I am. This is who I am. And he takes it. And he replaces it. With gentleness. He comes to... The fact that I only care about my own happiness and instead he calls me to care about the happiness of others by having gentleness. He he takes the fact that I am totally out of control and says, you know what? You are totally out of control, but I've given you through the Holy Spirit the ability to have self-control. I can do that in you. He takes... Sometimes this is a longer process than others, but he takes our grumpiness and he gives us joy. I don't know if, you, if you're the person that has just walked in grumpiness and you felt like it's just who you are, but what if you actually said, Yes, that is who I was. But in Jesus, He's given me something better. He's given me the ability to have joy. He's given me the ability to not only look at this world for my own needs and say, Well, you know, it's not my problem, all the other, everyone else's needs, but instead says, Yeah, that's true. But Jesus is someone who said, It's not my problem. Your sin is not my problem. The judgment against you is not my problem, but because I love you, I will step into that and I will make that my problem. Jesus gives us a different picture than everything, everyone else in the world. Jesus is somebody who takes our gossip, which is divisive, which does break people apart and divide people, and he gives us the ability to have peace. Peace unifies people. It sees people who are broken and finds ways in any human way possible to step in and be a representative of the ambassador of peace, Jesus Christ. He takes our hate, and he actually gives us the ability to show love, even to the people who deserve our hate. Love is an acceptance of issues. Love is an acceptance of sin or toxic personalities. But love is recognizing that I'm no longer going to hate this person and put a judgment of angst against them for the rest of their life. See, in Christianity, we don't simply manage our issues. We're able to give our issues and our attitudes over to Jesus. where we're even able to say, the fact that I get angry really quickly, God God can give me patience. Where he can allow me to see people through his eyes. And the truth is, is that every single one in this room, if you're a Christian, that's your story. And sometimes we can exit out of one year and enter into another year just thinking about the different things we want different. What in my life needs to be improved or managed? Jesus doesn't want to improve or manage your life. He wants to transform it. And the gospel is, is the key tool that he uses to do that. The reality of Jesus did this for me. And he's enabled and unlocked this life adventure of following him to step out and flesh that out to others. Now once a month, we're reminded of the reality that we don't enter into a year or a week or a month or or a minute without Jesus. We're not entering into 2016 with Jesus and on January 2nd, he just leaves. When we take communion as a church, we're being reminded over and over again of the reality that Jesus is here with us. He's here with us. Now we always have a moment of, of reflection, where we have the opportunity to take the bread take the cup bring it back to your seat spend some moments in reflection I encourage you in this time to evaluate 2015 where are you with the Lord? how distant are you? how close are you? what would happen if you entered into this next year not simply coming up with a a list of things that I want to do or not do addictions I want to break habits I want to start But instead said, Lord Jesus, what do you want to change? And what can I trust you to unlock in my life and help me follow your lead in? Please forgive me for my distance. Please forgive me for even for my self-reliance. Let me lean on you. And in a few moments, we'll take the bread and the cup together. But right now, go ahead and exit your rows on the left-hand side. And you can return to them after bringing the elements back with you on the right.